Welcome to Tank Up, the podcast all about video games and craft beer. I'm Ben, and I'm here with Adol. Hey, craft beer. Hey. Uh, craft beer? You beer? just are never consistent, whether it's craft beer or beer. Uh, I kind of like no. it. It's because like, the, the term's kind of vague, so maybe we should vaguely use it and vaguely not use it. That's a good idea. That's a very good idea. It will come in, it will go away again, and <gasps> like people, like guests, they come in, they go away again. We've got a guest this week. Mr. Adam Thomas, hello. Hello. Hey, how are you Thanks doing, for dude? Having me. <laughs> yeah, not bad. Today. <laughs> Up and down, the usual. Nice. Well, it's been a while since I've actually done a podcast, so I thought, well, since I am free, <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll jump on. <laughs> yeah. Although I didn't, I didn't expect Lucy to take that as an opportunity to go. Well, bye. <laughs> Screw you guys. I'm off. <laughs> yeah, I'll have a, li- I'll have a little rest this week. Thanks, Adam. Cheers. <laughs> You are the substitute. That's it. Which Lucy normally drinks the most, so you've got to you know you've got to drink the most out of all of us. <laughs> yeah, that'll be difficult. <laughs> Adam, you're not much of a beer drinker, are you? No, not even slightly. <laughs> no. If people remember your last appearance, I think on episode. Oh, we're not recording video. I was going to do the Simpsons gag where I cover my mouth and we can sub it in, and then I realized, oh right, yeah, we're not doing that. So now I just I'm like now I'm just blocking my fake noise. Um, yeah, yeah, no one can no one can hear nothing from you. It's good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> episode yeah, whatever. Anyway, yes, yeah. yeah. A while ago, we all drank um, a few beers, but we all shared one, I believe, or you had one that a couple of us had as well. I Didn't can't really what get it was. on with it. Yeah, I had like three sets. I was just like, you gave it, I'm going to say, a, a middle school try. Not the full college. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, I gave it three sips and then thought the next sip will probably be the end of the podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we'll, do, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. That's yeah. fair. Have you got anything else you're drinking this evening? Water? Squash? Uh, Ribena. <laughs> oh, Ribena, brilliant. Now is that is that your go to squash equivalent? Yeah, the my my go to Ribena light because I'm cutting down on sugar where possible. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah, try, trying Fair. to be a wee bit healthier. Trying to cut down on the fizzy drinks. The, oh, the so, so I mean, it's a bit of an investment, but I have a soda stream, and that's because I love bubbles more than I love the taste of soda. And so I was like, mm. oh, turns out if I spend a little bit on getting the machine that will make bubbles on demand, I won't. I, yeah. I don't remember the last time I bought soda. Between beer and sparkling water, all of my bubble needs are set. <laughs> um, that's, a, that's a tactic that wouldn't work for me because it's not really the bubbles I care about. It's the sugar. Uh, <laughs> it's 100% absolutely the sugar. <laughs> so I'm trying to, you know, you know, healthy lifestyle choices. Yeah. Just yeah, yeah, ch- sure. Change things slowly. That's so if I've good. got Ribena and stuff like that ready in a jug in the fridge ready to go, nice. You know, I'll, I'll try and take that where possible instead of having fizzy juice or the right. thing. And of course, then you can like if you wanted to make it a little more dilute, go moving forward. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. You can slowly start cutting it down so that it's basically just coloured in water. Yeah. <laughs> 
Mmm. <laughs> Slightly pinky purpley water. Hey, I, I'm not going to mock that. I literally am saying I drink a lot more water now that I added bubbles. bubbles. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, literally, the taste has not changed. It's just the, like, texture, for lack of a better term. And that's yeah. enough for me. Yeah. It's just funny that you're using basically the same tactic that a parent would use to get their kid into a bath. Look, look, bubbles! <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. It's totally correct, and I think it's intellectually honest as well. Uh, it's what it's all about. Being honest with yourself. Adol, you and I, we can be honest with ourselves. We love beer. I do love so, beer. It is, it, it is why, well, no, it's amongst many reasons why I could never do, like, a keto diet. My friends mm, did a keto not- diet, and you can't do beer because of the carbohydrates in it. Nah, fuck that. Let's not, let's not do that. (laughs) What beer are you drinking first? Uh, Okay, do you think I should go to New England or the West Coast? Ooh. ooh, New England. Okay. Um, That also obeys the slight rubric of weaker beer by 0.4%. Yeah, okay. Um... First, I have the Riding East beat, uh, Nor- New England IPA 6.4% by Beatniks Republic. Ooh. Nice orangey can. Yeah. And a really, really pleasant art. It's got that Beatnik vibe with the old school yeah. sketch motorcycle. Um, always odd to have driving on, on, on the label. Motor vehicle operation on an alcoholic beverage. <laughs> um, and the, so Beatniks is from Manchester, if you didn't know. Um, Riding East is a New England IPA with a big juicy hop character with a huge volume of dry hopping. This beer has soft tropical fruit flavor with only a touch of bitterness for balance. The very definis- definition of a juicy banger. Yeah. It's unfiltered, unpasteurized, and suitable for vegans. Nice. Good. You get that one in your glass. Um, I am drinking a... uh, In honor of Adam's appearance, I'm drinking a beer from Fierce. um, Scottish brewer. Yeah, I was going to say... Who... I wasn't sure Adam understood why that was in honor of him. Yes, a Scottish brewer from Aberdeen. You're not from Aberdeen. Adam, but you're, you know, that no, way. You're, you're the most off. Aberdeen adjacent. I'm, yeah. Yes, yeah, so I'm closest to Aberdeen of the three of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, by, by quite a distance, I would say. Yeah. Yes, I mean, to yes, be fair, I think you're, th- this Manchester beer is also in honour of you by the same rule. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, this is a collaboration from Fierce and Gypsy Hill. It is part of Fierce's single hop project. This is number three, and the hop is Simcoe. It's an American Pale 6%. So what do they say about it? Single hop project number three, Simcoe. The yeast is Lalaman's BRY79. This Pale Ale was brewed to accentuate the Simcoe strain of hop with 15% alpha and 5% beta. This great all-rounder was added during Walpole. At 80 degrees centigrade and double dry hopped using T90 and T45 cryo pellets. Low bitterness, max citrus, piney, resinous aroma and flavour profile. Uh, I think I've read the single hop project flavour text previously, but single hops. So it's a Simcoe beer. Yeah, so say, the key is there's only one of them. 
you can yeah. figure that out One tiny via hop. the use of the term single, thus yes, defeating exactly. the need for any flavor text. I'm in a bit Precisely of a snark, snippy, that. snarky. Eh. One of those, one of those. How is your beer? Have you tried it yet? Um, I had a brief sip off the can. Um... I given that they said it was like exceedingly dry hopped, it's actually got quite a delicate nose. Definitely mm. getting those tropical fruits. A little bit of um like a toffee kind of malty smell. Just slightly on the nose. Yeah. Oh. It is definitely a, a juicy banger. Um but nice. the, like I said, um, the nose sort of said this as well. There is some some malty malt forwardness going on. Can't quite. So it's got kind of, and it might just be because of all that tropical fruit flavor, but it's got a little bit of this sort of toffee, caramelly, malty um, mm. taste. There's something else going on here. Can't quite pinpoint. But it's definitely more malt forward than I than the description would have. Um, Led me to believe. Okay. And uh, honestly, it sort of leaves you the mouth a little dry, and that's where that hint of bitterness they, they sort of mentioned before is. Mm. And it, it, because it comes at the same time as the drying out, I kind of didn't notice that it had this hint of bitterness. It's that sort of light in bitterness. But it's clearly there, yeah. and it lasts. Um, again, it's one of those beers that leaves you a little drier than I'd like, such that I want to be reaching for the beer because something with a taste comes to me not oh i need to my mouth is forcing me to have liquid um completely yeah there is a taste i'm missing but i actually think this i think if it was a little less malty and a little more juicy this would be a beer that adam could reasonably attempt to have because it, it is <laughs> it is a juicy ipa without the sort of strong bitterness we associate with any ipas like again kind of have to look for the bitterness i yeah. recognize that me having had hundreds of beers and being quite acclimatized to taste, I think Adam might notice the bitterness eat more easily. But this is sort of the class of beer um, which I would recommend to someone like Adam who you know, likes his Ribena. Um, <laughs> uh, and I say this because I, I, I say this often. Uh, I think there's a beer out there for everyone, and I don't mean like everyone must have beer or that uh, there'll be a beer that everyone's going to be infatuated with. But there's definitely beer ev- out there for anyone's enjoyment. Like the, they, their beer tastes are so wide that. You could easily find, especially now that people are experimenting so much, a beer that you would be like, oh, I could easily drink this. And then you'd be like, cool, yeah, yeah. but this is the one place in the world that has this, and so functionally I still won't be a beer drinker. But I still think it's a useful exercise. Yeah, yeah. I think for you know for, for someone like Adam, I can't remember what it was. Was it Dead Pony Club from BrewDog that you drank, Adam? That rings a bell. Um, something like that. It was something you recommended as a... As a starter beer, uh, you know, a, a starter beer of you know, if we, if we recommended craft beer is kind of like, you know, mm. well that went terribly. I, saying, I don't know why an IPA <laughs> of any but sort would me. have been a starter beer. But anyway, you're saying no, you, you want something. Maybe, yeah, you maybe want something Ben just liked. looked at his own shelf and thought, yeah, that one. Well, you might have been the <laughs> buy one of those. <laughs> I think it was more of a case of what was available. As you were saying, Adam, about availability. I think it was you. You, you went to the supermarket and took a photo of all of the beers oh, on right. offer. And we, oh, I think, yeah. just pointed to one and said, "Get that one. That'll be the. That'll be one of the easiest ones for you to have." Aha! Tur- 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 Holy shit! <laughs> Sorry. Uh, what episode is this, Ben? One six. 
three. Oh, it's a shame because it's almost been a hundred episodes since Adam joined us. Shit, really? <laughs> wow, that that's a lot further than I thought. Yeah, that's uh, that's <laughs> episode sixty-eight, Horizon Zero Reservations. <laughs> Bloody hell! Um, Two years, twenty seventeen. Gross. March fifteenth. So, um, so just just like when we're talking about off air, the, the passage of time going. Oh, that doesn't feel like that long ago, and it's two years. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Um, uh, da, 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 da. Uh, yeah, I talked about Tom Clancy's TM Ghost Recon Wildlands, and you guys talked about Horizon. <laughs> um, I had. One of those has been turned. Oh around yes, quite it was quickly. the. Oh, that's why. Fuck! It was an innocent gun. What were we thinking? Oh, was it? Uh, okay. Um, yeah, it was the innocent gun original oak aged beer. Um, you had that and the Dead Pony mm. Club, and Adam had a few sips of the innocent gun too. Um, Ice. Right. Okay. There we go. That's yeah. why the Dead Pony Club was in my mind. Yeah, because you had it that day. That that's yes. incredible. I don't. I wouldn't remember any of that bollocks. I had the Hop House Thirteen <laughs> from Guinness and the Dead Pony Club as well. Um, I don't even remember the name of the beers you're Oh, you know what? <laughs> I think I, 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 this is going to be really... Never mind that. Yeah. Um, I, I think this we'll is ringing some vague bells, which is, I'm sure is scintillating content. I think what we said was try and find the Dead Pony Club because we thought it would be something we could all have. Um, but then you couldn't find it. And we said, okay, get the Innocent Gun because that's probably the best choice given your wall. Anyway, this mm, has been rehashing awesome. memories that are uninteresting to even the people rehashing them. Uh, the newest segment on Tanked Up. Look forward to Lucy's participation next week. <laughs> Good. So my beer. Back to the oh, yeah, you haven't even talked about yours. <laughs> oh, what was it? Six percent Simcoe beer from Fierce and Gypsy Hill. It's nice. It, I mean, it, it showcases Simcoe very nicely. You have a nice tropical citrusy nose. Really easy. And then in the flavour. It's so lovely and wet to start off with. You're getting nice citrus flavours, maybe a little bit of grapefruit kicking in there. And then this nice pininess leading into that very light bitterness that it has. Um, Did it say low bitterness? Yeah, low bitterness. So it's there, but again, it is a very, very light beer. It's very easy to drink. Um, Sticks around on the tongue a little bit uh, flavor wise it's a little almost mm, not quite viscous but it, it, it's it, it kind of it coats the tongue quite nicely it sticks around that flavor lasts that fruity citrus grapefruity flavor does last along with that, that piney bitterness kind of towards the end as they flow into each other and merge together and even now I'm not thinking I need to go back to it because it is nice and wet um, it's one that I think I could very easily sit for a, you know, for the whole episode really and nurse. Um, but I'm not going to. I'm going to absolutely smash this back because <laughs> it's too easy to drink. Um, I, I will add to mine. I think maybe it was just actually a little dehydrated because uh, I'm not getting that dry mouth feeling in subsequent sips. Mm. Um, so if there is a drying factor, it's actually much lighter than I, than I had indicated. Also... Right before you said the word piney, I was like, that's what it is. Is that hint of bitterness is, is, is sort of within a bit of a piney taste that sort of buried, mm. is, is sort of happening on the same sort of layers 
and timing of the the maltiness, which is why it was hard for me yeah. to initially pick out. But yeah, so it's got this sort of toffee, kind of a little sweeter than toffee, caramelly, malty taste, along with this sort nice. of passion fruit, and then a lot. But where the malt is, there's also this really light um, piney bitterness. Um, mm. And so as the maltiness fades away, you have a hint of that bitterness r- remaining, and then everything sort of just sort of li- sits in a bit of a like puddle. Nothing's really standing out in any of those things, but that there is a taste that remains. Um, and it, yeah, it's 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 I'd say neutral, slightly dry uh, in mouthfeel after like twenty seconds. Okay. Anyway, good. That's me sandwiching your tasting notes with mine. Um, and some extra bits as well. Yeah. So let's move on to our first topic for this week. Adam, as the guest, it's you go first, on, my friend. First. <laughs> what have you brought for us to discuss this week? Oh, well, so I've got notes so that I don't forget things. I've got to talk actually about uh, podcasts, <gasps> spe- specifically uh, ones about mental health, because there's been a few in the last, well, year or so that have came out. And one that's came out in the last couple of weeks is actually from the charity CAM. Okay. If you're familiar with it, the yeah. Campaign Against Living Miserably. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who, who don't know what that is. And they deal with a lot of this uh, stuff. And they've got a, a, con- a God, podcast <laughs> uh, called Conversations Against Living Miserably that they've released. There's two episodes out. Uh, in the so It's quite new. Uh, yeah. So each week, the the two co-hosts, which is uh, Aaron Aaron Gillies and Lauren Patterson. Uh, Lauren Patterson is a comedian, and Aaron Gillies is a writer. If you're on Twitter, you'll maybe recognise him as uh, at technically Ron. Is his ID? You'll maybe seen some of his tweets floating about, um, and they'll interview. You know, a, a comedian or celebrity or some sort. I think it's comedians mm. for the most part because it's in conjunction with the the channel Dave. Okay. That that they've been partnering up to do this, and all the the proceeds from the adverts and stuff are going towards the charity. Nice, nice. Yeah. So the first two have been uh, Zoe Lyons and uh, Ellis James. <clears throat> so remind me who they are if I didn't know. Uh, they're both comedians. Uh, Zoe Lyons, you'll have seen on, like, she's appeared on Mock the Week yeah. and, you know, programmes like that. Ellis James has done the same. He's also more better known for uh, a radio show and podcast that he did with another comedian called John Robbins. So the Ellis James and John Robbins podcast is one of the ones that's it's actually finished recently, but they're moving to uh, Radio 5 Live. Oh, I didn't know that BBC. part. I knew it ended. I didn't yeah. realize they were moving. Yeah, the as that that was news that came, you know, a wee bit after the fact. Mm. Uh, is yeah. that how you is that how you found this this podcast um, uh, through them, or was it something um, and the kind of you know um, mindfulness or self care uh, this kind of idea that had you looking for these kind of podcasts in the first place? Or was it just something you stumbled upon from a tweet that you'd sort of seen from someone? It's a bit of both, actually, because, mm. um, as I said to Adel off air, actually, the Ellis James and John Robbins podcast has been one of my favourite podcasts since it started back in 2014. You know, that that yeah. wasn't too long after I actually started listening to podcasts and stuff, and that's been my favourite one. And one of the things that 
marks their show out is the fact that they're actually quite open about talking about mental health. Mm. And it's it's an interesting dynamic they've got because John Robbins is quite open about what he calls uh, the darkness. That's how he kind of describes his experiences of it. Right. You know, his kind of ups and downs. And then you've got Ellis there who's very open about talking about it as well and talks about his own things, although they're not as maybe serious as what John's is. Mm. And so that's kind of opened up, you know, for me personally, you know, the same sort of, it's kind of cultural as well, that everyone's kind of being a wee bit more open about talking about it. Yeah, very it's much. Become, yeah. It's become more of a prevalent, even if you're not talking about your own mental health, people are talking about mental health at all, which is obviously mm. a big change from not very long ago. Very much And so, that was yeah. kind of, that's kind of been my, my launch point into all of this stuff. And then the, mm. the podcast that came from it, because much like I did with the, the IGN UK podcast, where I met both of you originally, the, the Duck Hunters Facebook group mm-hmm. that spawned from that, there's you know there's been a few groups that have spawned based around being fans of the Ellis and John podcast. Yeah. Uh, and it's actually from there that I heard about the, the Campo podcast, because they uh, someone had posted about it, saying that, you know, that they'd uh, seen it. Yeah, he's now on yeah. this. Go and check it out, sort of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, the, and the, I mean, the, there's been a few that have came out. It's not just the the cam one. Right. There was one, uh, you know, uh, called Thinking Habits that was done by a guy who was originally in mental health nursing and stuff like that as a counsellor, okay. or some, something along those kind of lines. He did it professionally for a while, and it was talking about his own experiences. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and then there's been another one. Uh, from the BBC actually which was Susan Kalman's Mrs Brightside where she interviewed other people uh, you know other comedians and things like that about mental health because she suffers from it as well yeah uh, you know it's, there's been a few I just thought it's an interesting kind of aspect of what podcasts can be for because mm. you know just conversational podcasts and stuff like that is you know no matter what it's about can actually have quite profound effects on everyone. Yeah, completely. And I'd say I would say you know, Ellis James and John Roberts podcast has been one of the most important ones for me personally in that way. Mm. Um, Excellent, particularly because you know their openness about it and they're just kind of natural chatting to one another because they'd been friends for so long uh, before they did their radio show. So everything that they did was just natural; it wasn't forced. The show isn't yeah. about mental health, but that sort of stuff would come up. It just came up, jo- yeah. Yeah, because jo- John would tell, you know, funny anecdotes about when he went into Ikea and couldn't find what he wanted and had a meltdown. Right. <laughs> and then mm. had to, or, or went to buy, you know, like two bookcases and then realised that he couldn't fit them in his car. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and stuff like that. And then and then when he was driving home, you know, angry at himself, he realised he was driving in the wrong direction because he'd just moved. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's that, it's stuff like that. So all these kind of things just kind of cropped up and then mm. from the Facebook groups and stuff like that and then it kind of splintered into those kind of smaller groups of people that kind of joined together. I've made friends there and yeah. that's been a good place to just, you know, when you're just having a, a shit time. Looking, there, There's people there that they just get it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. They understand that kind of th- stuff and they just, the, the, the simple mantras are just, you know, be kind to yourself. 
Yeah, mm. but it's having a, thing a few you people don't that just post of. underneath something, you go, you know, yeah, it's fine that you feel you know terrible, but just remember, you know, be kind to yourself. Little things like that make a huge difference. Yeah, another mm. mantra I'm I, I you see a lot um, in both mental health and just general internet people being nice to each other for a change is the the phrase "You've got this." Yeah. So like when, when mm. you're like I'm struggling with this, and just someone saying "You've got this." Yeah. Um, it's worth one like it just works in a way that you wouldn't expect it something so simple to be like uh, I've yeah. got this defense coming up I've been semi avoiding re- rereading the thesis because I'm you know perfectionism and, and then like beating myself up when that I obviously fail that bar because everyone does because that's impossible um, and I just posted on Facebook you know yesterday or something something along the lines of like oh yeah Starting the reread, find a typo on page two, you know, Im- imposter yeah. trigger or whatever. And then, like, four or five people who I, you know, don't know that well were amongst the people who, like, literally took the time to, like, say, you've got this. And, like, don't worry about it. It's just a typo. Like, just small reminders. It's like, right. I know this, yeah. but I don't feel this. But when someone else tells me, it helps me feel it. And that's really powerful. And I think that's one of the great things about the internet connecting people is you yeah. get this sort of notion of shared pain is lessened, but also um, shared support is magnified. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to say to, to, you know, to, to that point and also to what you were saying, Adam, about finding, uh, you know, certain groups, it's great that there are these little support networks that kind of pop up around, you know, what is essentially like an entertainment product uh, to start with, um, with the, um, with the podcast, you mean? With, with the podcast. So uh, it, it's nice that you can kind of find a group of people who, you know, who understand you, who get you, who um, who are going through similar sorts of things or have been through similar sorts of things that can just be there. Um, and whether that's, you know, just once in a while, whether you're really involved within the group and things, it's just nice to have that little support network there for you when things are getting tough. I think a lot of people find that, you know, the internet can be a very awkward, uh, a very rough kind of place if you don't have those spaces that you know about to be able to go to. It can kind of alienate people quite a lot. But to yeah. to know that there are these spaces out there, and actually spaces that uh, can provide support that that come up just from a podcast that you're listening to, and through doing a little bit of kind of digging or being invited and getting into conversations and kind of going through like that and just trying to connect with people can kind of have that much of a positive effect on you, rather than it just being an entertainment product, something you listen to kind of every week, get a bit of a kick out of, enjoy, and then move on. Uh, it, it is really good to have that that network there to be able to talk with. Yeah, definitely. It's it's one of those. It's amazing the difference it makes when you're aware of things. Yeah. So even even just hearing about stuff like that, or it's a or re- I've had kind of recently just my first real experience of what like proper anxiety is like. Mm. And it was actually sitting and you know reading through some of the stuff and learning you know, like, what to call certain things. So, like, I learned what catastrophizing is. Oh, yeah. Which is an e- which is an excellent word. I thought, yeah, yeah. that's exactly what I've been doing. 
<laughs> you know, the, it's great to finally have a kind of label for that. <laughs> and then, you know, using stuff like uh, the, the Headspace app and just taking, you know, oh, the, yeah, the kind of mantra from that of, uh, you know, like the the point, the problem's not having those thoughts. The problem is fixating on them. Yeah. Exactly. So what you, what you should do is you, you acknowledge that you've had that thought and then you just let it carry on and just let it go and just don't, you don't worry about it and fixate on it. And learning those kind of things, you go, well, then I start combining the two. You go, well, the, my, the way I find that helps me acknowledge the thoughts is to have the label for them. You go, well, that's, you know, catastrophizing. That's personalizing, you know, making it about me when it's not and things like that. Yeah, or you know, black and white that, thinking is, is, a, is a really good one that starts to yeah, spot. Yeah, and things like that. And you just, you, you have the label for them and then you go, right, I understand what that is. And then you can let them go. And combining all that stuff's really helpful. Yeah. And go on. It's 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 funny when you think that you know it is just a you know a radio show on a digital commercial indie studio called yeah. Radio X. That, you know, originally XFM back back when it first started. Long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Oh, exactly. A long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's just two blokes. You know, chatting for couple hours you know every week you know helped spawn all that and helped open Mm. open the mind up to those kind of things and then you go and then when you do branch out and go beyond that into the proper you know learning about specific mental health things or going to these podcasts that have got a bit more expertise on the subject and things like that it really helps keep your your mind open to them yeah, very. So, of uh, these, um, uh, like the 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 calm podcast and stuff, have has that been more about kind of like the the with the the comedians? And you said they've only had two episodes so far, but um, has that uh, just delved into kind of those people's experiences, or are they talking about like different tools that you can use uh, and giving strategies and things? Obviously, things are very different for everybody. Not yeah. there is not like a fix all for anything, but is it kind of exploring different options around about that, or is it just more? This is my experience. Uh, it's more experience based. Okay. Um, so they they start with their first question is when was the last time you felt calm? Mm, right. You know, and okay. They talk about that and then. They talk about some specific things, like uh, in the episode with with Ellis James. That the thing that I connected with most was him talking about the fact that he gets kind of imposter syndrome almost, and he's very mm. lucky about things because he's not had, you know, really bad depression or really bad anxiety or anything like that. You know, which that speaks to me because I don't think I've ever had any of those things to the extent that a lot of people have and the experiences yeah. a lot of other people have you go well that's you know a complete extreme compared to what I've experienced but mm. his point about stuff like that is you know or just from him talking about it it just reminds me of the fact that it doesn't matter that mine isn't that bad it's yeah, still it's valid to yeah. be yeah. struggling even though I'm only struggling with something relatively minor for a little bit yeah, strug- and then working on it so that you don't struggle anymore it's still valid to feel like that rather than making yourself feel even worse about it because you go why am i struggling with this when other people have it so much worse <laughs> yeah the relative relativizing is a really big one with um especially when you start circling i, I totally feel that like 
Yeah. My life isn't that bad. Why can't I... And then, and then it'd be you become, why can't I function given that I yeah. don't have all these things? And then you're beating yourself up for things. Yeah. And that meta levels is, is where that fixation and that circling happens. And that this is just a really easy on-ramp to that level, right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so... It's, it, it's an easy thing to do. Oh. The, and you lose sight of the fact that it's all right to feel that way. Which is one of the kind of the simple mantras. That it's all right to feel how you feel. Yeah. It's okay to not be okay. Mm. You know, it doesn't matter why or how bad or whatever. None of that matters. It's fine. You're completely valid to feel how you feel. So it's what you do about it that counts more than anything else. So is it fair to say that this this um, con podcast is like a bit of uh, destigmatizing, a bit of awareness, like you said getting people to tell yeah. their stories so people understand that this is all this means and you've probably had moments like this and if you yeah. have lots of those moments now you have a label and maybe you understand how to communicate better with you know health healthcare professionals it, it lives in that sort of space of like shared patient pain is lessened uh, is one of my favorite mottos it's it's from a science fiction um short story collection by spider robinson called callahan's cross time saloon anyway um, but I really like the sentiment because I think that like just knowing so for sharing helps, but also knowing other people have the same type of pain really helps. Yeah, and this is the I space think... it sounds like calm is really good with, and especially with with like it sounds like just in virtue of people just describing their experience, um, then a listener will understand where that other people have these things and also what these experiences are. That sort of seems like the mode. Yeah, because that that fits in with kind of what the charity itself is really about, which is kind of, as you say, destigmatizing, breaking those barriers down. It's instead of living miserably, you know, right. it's the campaign against doing that. Because mm. being silent is being miserable when it comes to stuff like that. Because you just, as you say, you you spiral and then you fester in it and you don't escape. Oh, festering's the worst. Yeah. Good word. Worst feeling. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, sorry, what was that? <laughs> oh, I don't know if you know, but uh, that was my semicolon tattoo that I got a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you're familiar with the semicolon as the... Um, semicolons as instead of periods, so the notion of like when an author chooses a semicolon, they're choosing to continue the sentence, even though it's an yeah, end point. It, it, it's two sentences that are linked together, sort of. Yeah, and so it, yeah. It, in like... 2014-ish became a someone got a semicolon tattoo because they didn't commit suicide and then it became a yeah. whole campaign of um where right. part of it is acknowledging the mental health struggles and the other part is people will ask well and i had one of my students actually ask you got a tattoo what's with why is there a semicolon permanently attached to your body and this allows yeah. you to start the destigmatizing um conversation mm. yeah because you've got that that specific reason to actually have it. Yeah, and and, yeah, and, and the, it, that's why I have it in this really prominent place because people can see it and then they might ask me about it and I think that's a really... that That's them engaging me in a way that I'm not like... It's, yeah, I think it's yeah. the right way you have to approach these, like making these conversations come up or semi-organically. Yeah, because there's nothing worse than having people going about with you know a neon sign and trying to fucking batter it into you. Yeah. Because that doesn't work. No, because then it's, people are getting annoyed, and then 
that's just a different yeah. type of stigmatizing mental health because now it's like this weird connection to remember that time I was annoyed in the street oh yeah it was something about mental health boy do I hate mental health problems uh, yeah. yeah that's how brains yeah. work right like it's really strange but like yeah the, that association yeah yeah very much very much and it's 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 good that we have all of these different ways to um to converse about this um for hopefully people to feel a little bit more open to converse and to get involved or even just to to open up uh, and i i when i mentioned about you know is it just is it just someone's experience that wasn't to kind of belittle their experience at all you know there, there's there's power in somebody sort of sharing you know what they've gone through um, in terms of them in, a, in a, a catharsis sort of way for them to be able to get out and for them to be able to share it, but also for the listener as well to be able to whether it's uh, uh, relate to or maybe just to understand a little bit more. Um, you know, this sounds like a, a podcast I would really like to listen to just to hear those experiences and to be able to kind of understand just a little bit more. Um, you know about what, other what is like with. what is like to to suffer from any exactly. completely mode of these things um also i think what helps with that hearing the actual story is um a lot of it is is like the triggers and the initial feelings are things everyone has had and it's just whether mm. you know due to brain chemistry or whatever or, or circumstance yeah. that has shaped your brain chemistry because it turns out that's really important um whether that spirals in a way, but I think it really helps people. It triggers empathy rather than sympathy when people see that the the initial moves are the something I know of, and and like mm-hmm. uh, some people might be like, "Well, I didn't fall into that trap." You know, we call these people assholes, um, and so they, <laughs> the empathy <laughs> the empathy train um, sort of leaves the station without them. But, but most yeah. people will end up being like, okay, I kind of get that, like... And it also helps explain, like, why someone's bad day can be a huge mental health trigger, even though it starts small. It's like, well, nothing really happened mm. today. It's like, well, actually, this thing happened, and it triggered this, and that caused me to enter the spiral. And knowledge of how the spiral yeah. works, and be like, oh, actually... Like, really, like, if people take the time to be like, oh, actually, when, in the moment of that shitty thing happening, I felt shitty, but I, I didn't have these other this other stuff going on, so the, mo- the moment passed for me. And it's also really good for um, people who are struggling to be reminded that it is just the parameters of that moment. Like you said, Adam, if you can sort of acknowledge it and process it and let it move through you, I mean, those the, this is why CBT and meditation are, like, by far the most evidence-based successful ways of mm-hmm. dealing with a lot of these feelings is because it's the rumination, it's the fixating that gets you deeper and deeper. And so if you can find a strategy that lets you acknowledge the moment and leave it in that moment, you're fine. But like everyone has that moment, I think is a really powerful message. And I think this mm-hmm. method of just being like awareness conversations really highlights that. That's really interesting. So I'll, I'll, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to check it out, even though I normally don't i mean it's no secret that i've had mental health struggles etc i so i mean i don't seek out these things organic like in things like podcasts because honestly podcasts are sometimes problematically uh, my one of my primary methods of escapism mm. yeah uh, 
I think it's important with this stuff as well. It's going. It's it's all right to talk about it, but you obviously you don't need to tell everyone about it. Sure. It's finding. It's remembering that it's not one or the other. It's not you don't talk about it to anyone, or you tell absolutely everyone about it. Right. Yeah. It's finding the right people in the right places to do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You say, you know, likes a a Facebook group, you know, of like two hundred people. That's a closed private group that's in there. And they're all kind of on the same kind of wavelength and experiencing stuff and talking about stuff. That's a good place to do it if you feel comfortable with it, as opposed to a group of 5,000 people. Yeah. Probably not such a good idea because <laughs> not everyone's going to be on that same kind of wavelength. Yeah, and I was going to say, I mean, yeah. to be honest, and, and sometimes it's, 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 this sounds harsh, but it's very true. Sometimes the dinner table isn't the place because there isn't that understanding, and so having mm-hmm. this community of people who is understanding is super powerful, right? Oh, definitely. And then it, it helps give you the confidence to tell the people who need to hear things. Also, the vocabulary, I think, yeah. like being able to go through yeah. the story with other people and like f- help figure out some more of that structure allows you that if there are people in your life who you are hesitant to talk to first, you know worries about support or understanding not only do you get bolstered by having support from somewhere but also that like dry run for lack of a better term like gives you a bit more structure and other people sharing how things worked with them allows you to get a heads up on what communication strategies might work to help people who might be less immediately in able accepting yeah yeah yeah. I don't know why I'm beating on the bush. Some people's families just don't understand and are not supporting. Supportive. That's what yeah. I'm trying to say. And my family isn't that family, to be fair, but I have... Yeah, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all know people who are that way, who kind of yeah, like live in denial. Just the, <laughs> of, so that's of one of the meanest so things I've ever said to you. It's obviously an <laughs> offhand joke. But like, as soon as I said it, I'm like, I just said it because Ben was there, but... In this context, it's a really mean thing, especially considering you talked to, you allowed me to vent and talk through some of my struggles, and you've always been patient and understanding and helpful. And here I am, just shitting on you for like the dumbest of reasons. I'm really sorry. You you thought that that previously was a laugh. It was actually just a cry. (laughs) I mean, to be honest, it's mostly because you've you've been there for me that I feel really bad about joking that you haven't because that meant a lot. Any, uh, yeah. Uh, it's fine. I'm <laughs> glad um, the that, video's that's not, not on. That's not how you. That's not how you responded to his problems, is it? You go. It's <laughs> fine. No, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I no, know he usually not says quite, not quite. <laughs> stiff upper lip, and <laughs> just crackle, mate. Yeah. You, you just crackle. Uh, um, man so, up, Adam. Uh, um, oh, there's certain there's certain terms and certain so words that terrible. have slowly disappeared from my vocabulary over the years. You know, uh, certain things you'd say when you were a teenager, certain words you would call other people because you didn't know any better, um, or you didn't yeah. know that that there are people there who have certain feelings about those words. So you, you oh, end up yeah, being and the connotation behind it really, uh, and, and all of those sorts of things. Uh, man up is one that's maybe a, a more recent one that's come out of my vocabulary, and I think for a lot of people as well. Uh, has come out of that vocabulary you know talking about spaces and the use of vocabulary and things like that i think that's it's it's super important to to have that place where you can go in and be able to share be able to uh, have people around you who understand things and you're not going to get that 
just even just that one odd comment that might just tear down absolutely everything you've kind of built yourself up to. So if anyone is, uh, you know, within this kind of uh, feeling and needs somewhere to to go, obviously we're all here. Come and chat to us. But there will be spaces where you may feel, you know, very comfortable that you hadn't really considered before. Um, to kind of to, to go out and, and explore. And I know there's various um, podcasts that I listen to that have lots of different groups associated with them. You know, they might have one main kind of like Discord or one main Facebook group, but then they've got loads of other, you know, Facebook groups that, that really get into different things. And several of them have, uh, you know, uh, spaces for you to be able to go and talk to other people about your mental health and, and to discuss that. So it's definitely worth lots of people kind of you know whether it's the calm podcast or, or or other podcasts or other entertainment products that you listen to having uh, a little bit of an explore to find those spaces um, i think really. i mean i'm going to put um, a sad note on this uh, obviously not all um podcast group or entertainment groups are created equal and some of these are really toxic spaces and i think um, very much yeah and yeah. i think while you're exploring it's worth not only keeping in mind is this a place that i can sort of is this a place where people are understanding and might share in and help in the way that we've suggested some of these communities can? Super important and good to look out for. But also, often we forget to look at, is this, like, I really like Podcast X. Uh, I'm now in the f Facebook group of Podcast X, and am I actually enjoying these posts? Are these actually being fruitful? Yeah. Do I need to be an active fan with these other people? Or is this actually... It, like compounding my symptoms and making things worse because I've been in groups for podcasts and then since like realized oh this is not worth my time this is actually really not only is this not worth my time this is actually compounding problems and making me anxious and making me like want to step into weird arguments where I'm just going to be frustrated with the people um, this is not functionally worth my time and you know what I can just be a fan even in this era, era of the internet I can be a fan of the podcast without interacting with other fans. Very much. And I think it's really easy to forget that we have that choice. So mm -hmm. given that we're saying explore these spaces, I just wanted to remind people of this counterweight of if the space is not enjoyable, fucking leave it. it it's not worth it. Yeah, um, completely. Uh, Adam, have you got anything else you'd like to to add? Anything you want to finish on? Um, you know, about, the, the, about other podcasts that, that kind of inhabit this space as well? Uh, no, I think that's kind of everything that I wanted to cover, to be honest. Mm. Um, you had mentioned there it, were it, others that cropped up. Have you had a chance to listen to them, or is that something we can look forward to an article on the site from you about? Yeah, I've I've listened to uh, all the ones that I mentioned. Uh, yeah. Um, cool. So, yeah, I'm writing up stuff. Awesome. I'm bringing back out of pods to review podcasts again. Uh, Cam is the first review that I'll be posting, which is on Wednesday um, nice next week whatever date that is the 15th it's the 15th I know because Pass. I defend on yeah. the 14th yeah which is the Tuesday yeah. Yeah. yeah so one of the few times in my life where I'll be like I know that date I know the date's involved <laughs> I'm good at this maths yeah uh, so th that'll be going up on site at, uh, on the 15th uh, cool I I'm not sure exactly which other podcasts I'll be reviewing quite yet but I'll probably do a couple of the other ones it's just yeah. it's unfortunate that some of them, you know, the likes of like the Thinking Habits one, they actually had to stop doing that because 
Oh, I didn't know that. Of the, the, their own uh, mental health stuff. Oh, yeah, I mean, just, I really respect It just wasn't that. fitting with their, their, their schedule sort of thing at the time. But mm. it'll, it'll maybe come back again. So I've kept, you know, I've, it on my feed. Oh, I didn't yeah, realise that. I so was enjoying it. I yeah. haven't actually listened to any, but um, someone recommended a couple different episodes of Thinking Habits to me, and so I've got them downloaded to my phone. I just I've done this weird thing where, in, <laughs> and it's such a like testament to my escapism through podcasts that, uh, so the more serious ones are the things that are like. Philosophy podcasts, episodes people have specifically recommended, heavy stuff, life, real life things. I use CastBox, but then I use Podcast Addict for all my regular podcast needs. Like, I've walled my escapism away from my functional (laughs) podcasting, Mm. and that's why I haven't listened to these episodes people have recommended, because I forget that I've done this. But then every time someone's (laughs) like, this is a really interesting podcast, I'm like, interesting, like, pay attention to... You know, you might might cause you to look into other things. Put it in cast box, then forget about it. Like it's just <laughs> this really strange phenomenon. Anyway, yeah. So like I I I've heard of that podcast, haven't yet listened, and I had no idea it had been. Yeah. Well, it's been put on pause, which is also okay. Yeah, but it's it's a great example of them putting into practice what they were talking about. Totally, you know, with their own nice. mental health, and mm. it's it's not something that they were able to maintain, so they, you know, stopped it while they were still enjoying it. Awesome. And as I said, if things change in the future, they'll, I think they'll well plan on bringing it back from what they said. It's, a, it's always a possibility, but it's just one of those things. Life always gets in the way. <laughs> it does, it does. And sometimes it's okay to leave things as well. Sometimes it's okay to leave projects and move on to something else or to realise that maybe something isn't quite bringing you don't point at us. Uh, maybe something <laughs> isn't quite bringing you uh, I re- as much I remembered uh, we were in our video. It's like, Meh. Yes. <laughs> Not so much comic effect when there's no video recording. Oh, no, that joke like, was for you guys. I, I oh, thought I it would be <laughs> under the radar. I didn't think it would... Hi- well, I didn't think, but obviously I perversely hoped that it would hijack the very real point you were trying to make. Yes. Because that's me. So, should we, should we move on? Because I'm ready for another bit. <gasps> <laughs> after that so I'm definitely my, my red being a stone ace and chill uh, I, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> going to suggest that after our beer I will reveal my topic because I think it's got a nice little segue notion to it cool yeah, by yeah, that yeah, I mean come to you next, um, good. no matter how far you lean forward you'll just accelerate mm. a segue notion yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> motion sickness I don't know uh, so Ada what are you going to open uh, surprise surprise it's a 6.8% west coast IPA <laughs> There's no way you yeah, could have predicted yeah, yeah. that. Um, <laughs> it is from Burt Mill Brewery, which is Ooh. in Suffolk. It is the uh, the Rosetta Cone. It's got nice. excellent art. I mean, I'm a sucker for satellite photos, etc. But this is like a satellite photo of a satellite underneath. Reasonably low to ground. Like, you get some interesting topography there. Um mm. I don't know how that makes sense with Rosetta Stone, Rosetta Cone. Like, those are... It, it doesn't, but that's okay. <laughs> um, Maybe it's all... It's really piney. It's full of pine cones everywhere. Okay, so here is the uh, flavor text. Super pale, wheat and malted oats make up the grist to provide a lean malt profile for the layering of Comet, Cashmere, and Chinook hops. In the Whirlpool mm. and Dry Hop that bring aromas of 
bright citrus, ripe melon, and pine. I said that last sentence in a weird order because I didn't realize a comma was part of... I misread an Oxford comma. Uh, I thought it was a comma pause, not a end of... Um, So what I find interesting is I don't have a lot of experience with Comet and Kashmir. I've had some with Chinook. Or Chinook, I think is how you guys say it over here on the side of the pond. Chinook. Um, Like the helicopter? Yes. Yes, exactly. Yes, about the same. I I mean, it's 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 a First Nations word. It's Chinook. But cool. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. When um, do I ever get a pull rank linguistically in this country? <laughs> when? It's, no, it's true. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Um, yeah, uh, it'd be the same as you know. I didn't know that. I've learned something new. <laughs> Yay! Yeah. So I'll pour. You open that. And I'm gonna look at my beer. What have I got in here? Because I've also got Chinook <gasps> or Chinook in in the beer that I'm drinking. So this is the Wow signal. Uh, from Verdant Brew Company. It's an IPA, 6.2%. Bring. Um, <laughs> is it a, a, a Quest Giver one or a Metal Gear Solid I've Been Alerted one? I don't know. It definitely has one to be. A, it's the WoW. You said it was WoW. That's why I said. So then wow. it definitely. It's either Hunter's Mark or a Quest Giver exclamation mark. Ooh, a little Hunter's Mark, mate. Check it on there. Right. Um, so. This has got um, Best Ale, Golden Promise, German Pills, Rymalt, and Premium Cara. Jesus. Uh, the hops are Magnum, Chinook, Centennial, and Citra. The yeast is Joshua Wardman. <laughs> okay. I mean, that sounds Not like they scrape someone's athlete's foot. That's what that sounds like. Oh, oh, oh. Um, so this is the the wow signal was a strong narrowband radio signal received on August fifteenth, nineteen seventy seven, by Ohio State University's Big Ear Radio Telescope in the United States, then used to support the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Okay, great. Doesn't tell me anything about the beer. Just why they've called it What's that. What's it called again? Sorry. Uh, wow signal. Okay, so that's what, yeah. So we inadvertently so, have both had space cans that don't really yeah. have any space reasons no no just randomly called something perhaps because they i mean, enjoyed I mean we planned this because be. we both went to the bottle shop and like wouldn't it be interesting if we had this loosely but definitely defined tenuous theme because that's, that's the it. pre-planning we do here over at tanked up enterprises and by that i mean out of lives <laughs> network we already have a, 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 uh, i fail miserably well, while you pour that, I'm going to smell fine. this. It's fine. <laughs> oh, you get that melon right off the top. Not super in your face, but that's like the only note I'm getting. Is this melony... Griffith. No. Um, this melony smell. Oh, Christ, that's smooth. Oh, wow. Interesting. There's like actually two different melons going on. Okay. So, like, I, it's like, it's like a little bit of cantaloupe, a little bit of honeydew. Like, you know when you get those, those, mm-hmm. like, fruit mixes that are, like, so obviously processed and, like, packaged at, at school that there's not a lot of the yeah. actual fruit taste there. But there's this, like, generic melon taste. Mm-hmm. Um but if you actually had a honeydew or a cantaloupe, you wouldn't get that generic taste. Yeah. Imagine that was a little more two-pronged, but essentially the same idea of, like, there's a strong melon taste, 
I get a note of I get a bit of a note of the honeydew, a little bit in the note of the cantaloupe, but really because they're being melded together, I have this strong notion of these things. That's a sort of like yeah, like melon in the very most like a, a strong, well, a medium strong melon taste, but not a distinct melon. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Okay. Um, getting a little bit of sweetness right out. So after the main taste starts to fade, it's a nice light sweetness. Um, the pininess is there, but really light. And I'm I'm, I'm wondering how much of that is just the lingering pininess from the last one. Um, but there is mm. a pininess, um, and it only really starts to emerge when everything else fades away. But honestly, as it stands, the the last sort of note lingering after, let's say, 10, 15 seconds, maybe 20, is sweet. It's like a little wet okay. and a little sweet, which um, is really quite good. Um, because if I wanted to nurse this, I could easily nurse this because there's this, like, sweetness that's lingering that's giving me some taste. It's not too strong, but just like, oh, yeah, there... My mouth recalls the taste of spear. It's a little wet. I could. I don't need to drink something right away. Um, and again, because it's sort of coming off of the... It's consistent with all the other sort of tasting points of the rest of the beer. I'm not in a rush to, like, rediscover those things. So, like, I could easily just be yeah. happy with slowly having the spear. I probably won't slowly have it. <laughs> it's nice. It's nice to have a beer that you can, you know, slowly sup and be happy with for, yeah. for a little while. Definitely. Yeah. Good. Uh, Adam, all of our beery chat this evening, is it is it making you vaguely interested in, in you know, exploring some new flavours and trying some different beers at all? I don't really understand what most of it means to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> like when you're talking about hops and things like that, I don't not a fucking clue what that is. <laughs> <laughs> but are you familiar with the taste of a melon? Yes, I'm familiar with the taste of melon. Although when you said this, uh, I said there's two melons, I thought, that must be a big glass. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, really getting your money's worth out of that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, to be honest, this is... So, when I really got enamoured with, with beers and craft beers, it was one, like, it was like, holy shit, there's like, four things going on in this and like like boy i wish i remember what that beer was but like it was so sometimes it's really great when there's four tastes going on and they're really melded together so it's like yeah. there's a primary taste this tastes i don't know and then you have to really like dig but like the beer that made me think holy shit i didn't realize beer could do these things was one where it was like there were four distinct tastes going on four is an arbitrary number like th more than two um, yeah. And I could be like, oh, it tastes like X, Y, and Z. And then V. Um, I know how to count. <laughs> uh, and it was like, holy shit, I didn't know beer could do this. And also, I've never had a beer taste like half of these. This is super yeah. interesting. I want to see what else. And then that sort of started me on my, like, at the time, because mm. I'm old, exploring other microbreweries. Um, yes. But, like, what's really interesting is, like, that's, like, the fact that you could do the same beer but have them sort of, let me wax poetic, curve into each other. Mm -hmm. That's also super interesting and a challenge. And, like, we can have things in between. And it's like, holy shit. 
there's a lot of interesting things that can happen with beer. Mm. Mm. It's not something that you get an impression of when your main experience is Stella. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> which which just to me tastes like sick. <laughs> I think so. That's, like that's what it that's what it smells like to me as well. When you go, it's just being near it, you think, oh, no, <laughs> not even close. Yeah. So I I, I, I mean, I'll also say uh, I didn't really like beer when I was younger, but of legal age. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> yep. and, uh, and then uh, the first time I had a Guinness, I was like, oh, this is not doing all the things I fucking hate about beer. This is super interesting and palatable, uh, and I can drink it really quickly. So Guinness became, like, people knew I, I, I was a Guinness guy. And so, like, I would yeah. I would bring the the standard four pack of cans with the lovely widget in the cans um, to house parties, etc. To be honest, it also made sure I didn't over drink. Yeah, I also <laughs> couldn't um, over drink because it, it was more expensive, which was handy. Um, yeah. well, really, what it was was like that sort of nutty taste of, of of generic lagers, and also just the obscene amount of carbonation. Um, meant that if I was trying yeah. to drink it like at a house party in after high school, um, <laughs> uh, that was really suboptimal. Like I can chug a Guinness because what stops me from chugging things is the carbonation. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, and so yeah, on my nineteenth birthday, I had something like um, oh god, it was something like seven or nine Guinness in less than forty-five minutes. Just because it was like handing me yeah, a, that was a few. <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't that's like I was trying to drink quickly. It was I had basically I had a drink in each hand, and if someone bought me another drink, they're like, "Well, you can't have three drinks. You only have two hands." We're in the middle of a pub, mind you, so you have to finish yeah. one of you, them. Where, where were you? What country were you living in on your nineteenth birthday? A uh, Canada. What's the legal drink in Alberta? It was eighteen. Ah, oh, does it change from province to province in Canada? <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, okay. Um, also, you'll notice the implications of the comments I made earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But if you were yes. in the wrong state. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I grew yeah. up in, in in Alberta. Uh, so, so these weird dodges about high school indicate a certain thing about eighteen being the mm. drinking age. And when I started yeah. drinking. Man, we haven't got to worry about that here. Everyone's allowed to drink yeah. in the UK from when they're about I mean, 14, aren't they? I was so. saying, and I think, I think my family might know, and also they don't listen. And they're the only people I'd be worried about <laughs> weird judgment about drinking it. I think I had my first real drink at 16, although like I was a late bloomer. No, yeah. 15. I remember that party now. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway. Um, so, cool. Nice. Yes, good. Uh, my beer. Adam, I asked you what, you know, what this all sort of... Uh, you know, made you think about beers and such because I'm going to come now with some not very good news about this beer. <laughs> oh dear. Um, I've devastated. I... <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> After perusing the internet earlier, I had noticed a couple of people saying. You did that... research on your beer? No, 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 no. No. This was just me scrolling through Twitter and Instagram and things and then because this is a beer that's only been out uh, okay. about a week you or so it, it's been popping up so in, yes. in your regular beer trolling exactly <laughs> and uh, a couple of people have said that their cans have been oxidised um, 
or at least they thought they'd been oxidized because the flavor was off and I think something similar has probably happened to this one um, it's got a very rusty taste <laughs> a critic sort of smell to it oh, a little no. bit kind of just that edging on a little bit sort of sickly sweet to it and I don't expect it from the bit and when you taste it and I've tried to have a few sips to see if it's, you know, was the previous beer or what, but it's definitely, it's definitely something wrong because you're getting almost this kind of like this sickly almost taste to it, which kind of rolls into the malts hmm. quite well. So I'm getting the malts popping through uh, a little bit sweet, maybe a little bit kind of a little bit caramelly almost. But I think that's where the sickly sweetness uh, kind of comes along with it. That those malts are a little bit caramelly, and maybe like the hops or the yeast or something has just has just gone wrong at some point in the in the process or mm. in the canning process, and it's just not good. Unfortunately, just not good. Um, I almost picked another beer before coming on because I'd seen some of this, but I thought, nah, mine will be fine. It'll be alright. <laughs> It's not though, is it? And I was just like, or, or you thought, hey, this will be an interesting story note, and also I can tell you what my impressions of an oxidized beer are like. Well, mm, no, I just I, thought it might be alright. I was going to say, <laughs> this is this might be fine. This is okay. me subtly making you drink more of this awful beer. Well, yeah, you're going to make me have another. Yeah, I mean, so. it does. It does give you that kind of, you know, I, I'm I'm someone that's always been fine with sick. I don't care. I've worked in bars long enough that I've smelt hundreds and hundreds of different people sick and I'm okay with it it's fine you're desensitized <laughs> I'm very desensitized to it but this definitely you know it does have that very sickly nature to it and it's, it's just got that hint of sweetness which I think rolls in with the malts and is possibly part of that kind of like caramelly kind of backbone to the malts perhaps um, but just and you're definitely sure that's not how it's supposed to taste <laughs> I was going to oh, I'm sure this is not how this beer is supposed to taste <laughs> It leaves a very kind of sickly sour when note. When you say sickly, so sometimes we say sickly sweet as in like overtly sweet. But you mean sweet as in vomit-like? No, I mean I mean sickly as in vomit-like yeah. with, a, with a hint of, a, you know, with a sweetness to it. It's like if you've been on the rosé all night and then you've puked up, you know, what that kind of sweetness I'm sorry. to your like sick. normally I understand your analogies I've never lived being on the rose for a night and then vomiting <laughs> in my mouth and swallowing it back I'm sorry right, you need to, it's you not need a to, shared you need to come experience to Weymouth. you need to come yeah, to yeah. Weymouth for a night out mate you'll be, you'll be <laughs> on the old on the old milkshake all night mate um, I mean uh, sure let, let, let's let's book that sometime in the summer so, I think it's Done. at this point that I should hijack the conversation <laughs> and move away from that <laughs> That's a good idea, Adam. Well done. <laughs> Let's move in, Adam, to your topic. Right. So, okay. The Verge published a um, article summing up a journal article, a scientific article um, discovery in published in Nature Human Behavior. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this. Um, no. <clears throat> it depends. I'm going to read you <laughs> you the, the title of it. <laughs> yeah. By scanning the brains of adults who played Pokemon as kids. Researchers learn that this group of people have a brain region that responds more to the cartoon characters than to other pictures. More importantly, this charming research method has given us new in insight into how the brain organizes visual information. 
how it worked is they tested all the participants or participants. Okay, so they got got up participants who were adults now, but they began playing Pokemon at the ages of five between five and eight. They continued a while and they played as adults. And then they got a control right. group. Then they tested all the participants on the names of Pokemon to make sure they that the the people understood the difference. They scanned the participants' brains while showing them images of the 150 original Pokemons alongside other in- images. And in the experienced players, a specific region responded more to the Pokemon than to other images. For the people who were unfamiliar, the control group, this region, which is called the Occipitotemporal Sulcus, um, that's often processed as animal images, didn't show a preference for Pokemon. So... What this shows is that um, many hours of Pokemon leads you to have a, a more attuned notion of what Pokemon are. First of all, I thought this was fascinating in the sense of cognitive science. Good lord. Like, if, you, if you've if you done it, like, you, you guys are both Pokemon players, right? Yeah. yeah. So there's a part of your brain that specifically lights up when someone shows you a Charmander picture. That's yeah. interesting okay. that it's the same part across all people, assuming that this um, generalizes. Um, So, one, I just thought this was an interesting thing if you hadn't heard about. Um, Again, you can look, if you just do a quick search on, we'll try and post this to our Twitter and um, Facebook page, but Mm -hmm. it's a Verge article called Brain Scans Reveal a Pokemon Region in Adults Who Played as Kids. Um, But what I really wanted this to, to be is, okay, except for Pokemon... What do you think would... Like, so, this is about playing enough of it such that your brain is attuned to a thing. And I want to know, for you guys, what you think your triggers would be. If it's not Pokemon, what is the thing that you would have originally in your brain that definitely is attuned to? Adam, I think ours is probably the same. It's Pokemon, <laughs> <The Witcher. isn't> it? <laughs> Like, like my, my topic is just ruined by you guys just being two good Pokemon fans. No, man, we could just now talk about The Witcher 3 oh, for fuck. fucking hours. No, no, oh, this is, this is uh, good. It has, to, it, has, it has to be childhood, doesn't it? I was going to say, so the key is that, it. I, I believe, anyway, so I haven't actually read the original journal article, and the summary sort of avoids this. I think it has to do with neuroplasticity, and so it, the fact that it was childhood first and then not childhood matters. Um, but let's do both. So what is your, so your general... If it wasn't about neuroplasticity, also if we don't care about this, what do you think? What is? What do you think? What IP do you think turns your brain on in a specific region? If it was just like pure hours, uh, definitely. I, I I think The Witcher Three. Yeah, just just to, yeah. you know, in the in this non-experimental but, kind of way. Right, but but remember, it's it, it would be the same character, so it would be it shouldn't just be the one game; it should be the franchise. Yes, yes. Which yeah, I get so, that might be the case. I'm just trying to, like... Uh, yeah, so The Witcher 3, um, The Witcher 2, Thronebreaker, Gwent, you know, everything yeah. that kind of comes with that. The books, yeah, yeah, completely. So, so for me, it'd be some sort of Final Fantasy crystal. Yeah. Um, and, and is that all... Does that, does that encompass, do you think, like, all the Final Fantasies? They all have crystals. Mm, well, one, maybe not. From 3 onwards, they're definitely all... Have this notion of crystal. Yeah. Okay. Um, or a chocobo, let's be honest. Yeah, the chocobo. Like a chocobo yeah. pro- there's probably like a chocobo point. Um, I. 
I mean, other than that, maybe Goombas and Koopas. Mm-hmm. But I think that's more on the other side. Like, but yeah, so I think, I think that's the, that's definitely the series and like, the, which has loose underpinnings that are the same across that I have the most hours put into. Yeah, do you think for for you as well that 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 correlates with your with your younger self from sort of you know playing Mario and things as a kid? Okay, yeah. So so let, let let's stay with the Final Fantasy because that's my Witcher three analog. Like sure. Um, yep. Your Geralt of River, your analog. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the, that. So I've spent the most hours in that series, and I recognize that there are different characters, etc. I mean, I've played FF seven a handful of times, so just on hours, that's probably. I probably have FF7 as much as you've Richard 3, even though it's a much shorter game. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I think the fact that across the franchise there's these consistent things, like if I count all the hours I played in FF11 and the, and, and then mm. also FF14 and them having chocobos and like crystals and notion of summons and like all, all those these, these like standard across game loose things that make a Final Fantasy game a Final Fantasy game, that's that's my, yeah. like, generic thing. But most of that was in my adult life. Mm. So, so we roll back and think... Would go Sorry? Back to, one for me that would go... that would cover that, like, as a as a whole for, like, the whole franchise would be Dynasty Warriors. Right. Because yeah, that, 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 that branches out from... I originally played the second one and then the third one. Uh, you know, back in the PS2 era. So that's, you mm. know, like, you know, kind of 2003, 2004, that kind of time. Yeah, how old were yeah. you there? Maybe. I'm going to regret asking, but I just want to know for the context. <laughs> uh, well, if it was, say it was 2004, I would be 10. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I was in, like, second or third year, third year university. Yeah, we'll be, like, 20. <laughs> yeah, so, 20, so, so that's why I was, like, yeah, like... 2003 is a marker for, yeah, when I was adult. That's also basically when I was playing a fuck ton of FF11. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. like that's around uh, the same time. Um, and that's why yeah, that's yeah. I was like, okay, these these games correlate in a way that we don't want the discussion to correlate. <laughs> yeah, hmm. so I would have been around, say, 10 yeah, when I started sure. playing those kind of games. And then obviously I've played pretty much every single one that's came out since then. Right. You know, and we're all mm. the way up to nine now. <laughs> And that's yeah, just the, the numbered ones. There's more than there's, a demo. Yeah, there's all the Orochi games and oh, well, the, the uh, Hyrule and all of the Warriors. Yeah, style there, games there's lo- there's now. loads of different Warrior style games, but in Dynasty yeah. Warriors specifically, there's also mm. like the the versions that are like Empires or Extreme Legends, which were separate yeah. to the the main numbered ones, which right. were yeah. slightly different but based on the same. Like the Empires one. Yeah, because the games are set in you know the Three Kingdoms era of Chinese history, the the whole point of the Empires one was you take the characters and stuff, and then you kind of lead a kingdom and take over China. Yes. You know, like yeah. instead of it following the actual stories as such, you then kind of get your own kind of version of it, and you can kind of use the characters and do whatever you want to do that way. Right. So there's mm. different ones like that, but that kind of then branches out. Because it, it spawned the fascination with that time period in history that it was mm. based on, and then the it's based around the the romance of the Three Kingdoms novel, which was written you know like a thousand years ago, <laughs> you know, and 
that's a period of history that's like 180 AD to 280 AD that it covers. It's about yeah. a century. You know, so the book was written about a time period a thousand years before, and now we're, you know, having games and stuff based on that, you know, a thousand years further on again. Right, that's you know, really interesting, yeah. So there's yeah, like so these... Because I know that the Three Kingdoms era and like the romance of the Three Kingdoms novel was like in kind of Chinese and kind of Eastern Asia culture. It's kind of... It's almost analogous to the likes of Shakespeare here, and how right, it, totally, yeah. it, it, it informs everything. It's culturally embedded to such an extent, you know. So in China, they've had theater plays and other books and TV series and films and stuff like that for centuries, based on that stuff. So it's completely embedded in their culture in the same way that you would say like Shakespeare is here, right? Yeah, mm. but so that that's one of fascinating because the one of the podcasts that I've listened to is someone, he's a, a Chinese-American who's went back and, you know, because the way the, the original novel's written, it's very dense and dry because of the style it's written in, in, in uh, Chinese. Right. So when it's translated across into English, you know, the the kind of, the beauty of how it's written disappears yeah. because it's changed yeah. from the characters into our language. So yeah. it just comes across as incredibly dense and really, really dry. So mm. he's went and created the podcast where he's went through the whole thing and basically, you know, not modernised it as such, it, but or? yeah, he's he's cut some of the fluff. Like he's, you know, like those characters. Instead of giving you, you know, thirteen characters' names for people who are about to die, <laughs> right. you know, you know, like you know, in like ten sentences time, he'll just tell you that a lieutenant gets sent to go do a thing and then gets killed. <laughs> you oh, know, so it's, it, it's it, it the Dragon Ball Kai. <laughs> so, sort of like that. <laughs> and then, you know, it explains kind of cultural references and takes time out to talk about things. Nice. Because, again, the interesting thing about that is the characters in the Three Kingdoms era in the novel reference stuff that happened a thousand years in their past. You know, like legendary... Mm advisors right. and kings and stuff like that from the kind of mythical era of history you know so they're referencing you know oh he's trying to do this and it's similar to what this person did before right and then yeah. he goes and explains what that means and why that's relevant you know and stuff nice. like that or or there's like wordplay jokes that come into it sometimes you know that he takes time to explain all that stuff he makes it really accessible to to learn about Cool. I know. That's so that, cool. that's a really good way of doing it if you're interested in that sort of bit of history. What's it called again? Uh, the the podcast is the Romance of the Three Kingdoms podcast. Perfect. Um, but so that Dynasty Warriors and that kind of stuff, because that would when I think of that, you know, that time period and the the names of characters and things like that, the version of them I see in my mind is from the third. Dynasty Warriors game because that's the one, you the one that I was that was the one I played the most of and that's right. the one mm. that I continued to go back to even you know years and years down the line even during like the 360 generation and stuff like that I was still oh, okay. going back and playing the third one I would now if my fucking PS2 worked <laughs> <laughs> but my controller doesn't work anymore because the the Oh man, the I've electrical got a PS3 ribbon that's cable. Got full backwards compatibility because it has the emotion chip. Yeah. Oh. 
someone's lucky. <laughs> and it's, I mean, <laughs> if you can get yourself, I mean, that that's going to be expensive shipping. But if you can get yourself to to Bristol, I'll I'll gladly give it to you. It's doing nothing. Oh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll have to talk about that off here. Right. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, um, yes, okay, yes. so that was like the most exposure thing. Now I want to know what the child exposure, childhood exposure one. I get that, like, I think what Adam just sort of said was Dynasty Warriors 3 is the... Yeah, th- that's the, the kind two. of core of it, because that's the yeah. one that I, I really fell in love with. Um, and, and also you I, were sufficiently played, young, right? Yeah, because I would have been kind of 10, yeah, around that kind of age. Maybe even a wee bit earlier, I'm not 100% sure. But I guess I'm, I'm going to push you both and then also contribute, like, what were your, like... Let's say six to ten. What were your franchises or like games that are like embedded in your consciousness? Um, I I don't. I think the one that's biggest for me isn't a game. It has games, but it's not a game. But it's the biggest franchise is Star Wars. As a kid, it was all Star Wars. Absolutely everything. Everything. Yeah, everything. I mean, that's fair. And that that rolled through, uh, you know. And this was shit. As a I didn't kid, even this think was just right. Dark Forces, Dark Forces Two, Jedi Knight. Well, this was exactly this was based uh, originally as you know from that say like that age of six to ten. It was just based wholly on uh, the three original films. In there, in there. Um, so I I I watched the I got the THX remaster VHS box set for Christmas once and. God, mm. that must have been expensive for my parents. But boy, did I fucking watch the shit out of those. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mine were... M- money well spent. I watched, <laughs> yeah. 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 I think the ones I watched were ones taped off of the TV. Right. Where my parents had been very kind enough to stop the recording and then record it as the adverts right. yeah. kicked in. So there was right. little cut. So they didn't have to buy the videos, yeah. you know, uh, that sort of point. But it was—it's definitely Star Wars, and that that kind of that builds more into my teen years, where the games start to kick in a little bit more. Well, can I ask um, what your first things like Rogue, like real Star Wars obsession game was? Probably Rogue Squadron. Oh, really? That that. So it's a little later. Yeah. It's a little after a lot of the like, Dark Forces and things like that. Yes, it is. I, yeah, I found yeah, yeah. X-wing um, and X-wing versus Tie Fighter. Super frustrating because I just couldn't think. I couldn't think and control joysticks well. Completely, and, and I, I have think friends that's part of it. I played, I played uh, X Wing versus Tie Fighter, and just remember just being annoyed with it, and maybe playing it a couple of times and never playing it again. Yeah. Uh, I think the accessibility of Rogue Squadron really so pulled me into it. You didn't have any of these little. I'm going to fly around on my ship. Now I've got to run around a little bit in a fucking corridor-based yeah. bit. Now I'm going to get back in my ship. Like you didn't have to worry about any of those sorts of things. But X-wing didn't do that. Just... X-wing was just a fucking flight sim, right? No, but um, you what think... is it? Fucking Battlefront. Um, no, not Battlefront. Think of like What's the X-wing I'm Alliance. Of? I didn't play that one. No. So, so like the, I don't know. The, 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 so the fucking, first there's tier, loads of them. So, there's so many fucking yeah. Star Wars games. Fir- so I'm gonna. So the first tier of Star Wars games were FPSs from Dark Forces onwards, and then we got some really interesting, awkward Jedi power, but still kind of first yes. person shitty games, but really interesting. Yep. And then the other tier of those, quite soon after, was X-wing, Tie Fighter, X-wing versus Tie Fighter, etc. And mm-hmm. those ones were basically. Flight sims in space with appropriate physics yep. and controls, which 
if you didn't understand how fucking flight sims worked before, what if we removed mo- gravity? Is like a just nonsense <laughs> concept. And there was no yeah. way to play it clearly on a keyboard. You needed a joystick, so you only got to play it at your friend's house. Let's call him Alex Rowett. Let's just pretend. Um, <laughs> and it would take you hours of just hating the machine it, to figure out how to basically fly, let alone die all the time. I yeah. wanted to like those games. I mm-hmm. couldn't. I just couldn't get the controls. I didn't have the like time and access because, again, hi- this hypothetical man named Alex Rowett who lived down the street um, was the only way I could have access to him because although I had a computer, it wasn't that great and it didn't have a joystick. And you just can't play old school flight sims without the right controller. Completely. And I remember having a joystick and still absolutely sucking oh, yeah. at Like I said, e- even when I was spending hours <laughs> yeah. at Alex's house... Hypothetically, <laughs> um, <laughs> it, I was still utter shit. Just co- yeah. like yeah. to the point, like getting a kill was amazing. Flying, mm. even pursuing something consistently, was a big win for me. And yet, I still like was at the right age to still bash my head against it. Yeah, and now yeah, it's like, much. no, think- fuck this. So I never really it, got it, into it, Eve. I'm like. There's a control schema. Yeah. It's really complicated. I get why this is interesting. But also... <laughs> Click. Orbit within this many meters yeah. of this thing. Yeah, Eve is, Eve is a bit awkward. But I, I can... As you asked the question, I instantly thought of Star Wars. Uh, because, you know, with the the whole idea that it, it's highlighting a certain area in my brain and it, it, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's firing certain things, I know that when I saw, you know, the trailers for all of the new films... I'm like, oh, yeah. and things are things are going. Stuff is happening in my brain. Um, it's not kind of you know when I see, say uh, I love Terminator, I love Terminator Two. See a new Terminator trailer, I'm like, yeah, all right. I mean, part Fair of that's because that's fine. All the ones in between have just been utter let Although we sure, did have the prequels, yeah, that, so that, that's a bit of an analog. So uh, yeah, I think it's definitely definitely Star Wars for me. Um, that, that 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 hits that note of you know hitting a certain part and firing off a certain part of my brain to uh, to recognize to bring me infinite joy. Yeah. So so I'll I'll I'll, I'll circle back just from the the vague notion of the science I've got. I mean, a lot of it has to do with animal recognition. Um, and so, yes. um, this is why I said Goombas and Koopas. Um, mm. But also I'll say the reason why as well is because like we had a NES, but we didn't have a ton of games. We owned FF1, never got past the first real boss because we didn't understand what grinding was. Boy, was yeah. that a letdown. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that speaks to me yeah. about my experience of Pokemon because the version I played on my Game Boy, you know, four or five years old or whatever, was Pokemon Yellow. And it's not the most intelligent idea to have the first gym where your first Pokemon is an electric type to be rock. (laughs) (laughs) So when you're four or five years old and you get and you can't get past the gym and you don't understand why, (laughs) (laughs) because it doesn't matter that Pikachu is level fucking eighteen, five hundred, yeah, yeah, and the you know the Geo dude that you're up against is level five or whatever, you still can't fucking kill him. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, so I probably spent the first two years 
<laughs> that I played those games just wandering about in that very first bit. <laughs> right. <laughs> just repeating <laughs> that same bit over and over again because I didn't have, you know, the brain capacity at that age or the understanding of how games work yeah. to go, all right, I need to catch these other Pokemon right. and use them and grind them up to a good enough level to then beat that. <laughs> And Pikachu's not mm. going to save me. <laughs> right. Yeah, so for me, it's the fact that, like, we own Mario 1, we own Mario 2, we own Mario 3. Mario 3 was our favorite one when it came out. We stopped mm. really playing the other ones. But, like, me and my sisters, we played a fuck ton of those. Um, we didn't get a, We didn't upgrade to a SNES. We had a, we, ended, we had a NES, then we went to a Genesis. Sorry, Master System. Um, every hero needs a Master System. Um... And uh, I only got a SNES when the N64 came out and um, someone was selling their SNES at a garage sale. And I bought a SNES and I had Super Mario World and I brought it into the Students Union room and I'm already like 16, 17. But me and my buddy Tom beat off. We, during spares, like free periods because of our arrangement of courses in high school and also maybe not going to courses we did the 96 stars <laughs> we, we completed a cartridge in one school year nice during yeah. school hours um so that's why i said it's mario because that and like my crowning video game achievement was in the 12th grade uh someone bet me i couldn't beat mario one with no warp zones on one life so you bet your ass that instead of like hanging out with friends or trying to ask girls out on dates my evenings were <laughs> a hold up trying to fucking do this on the goddamn nintendo that's um, one way I and the worst the part is i did it, I did it. <laughs> and i told him i did it and he's like i don't believe you and then they'd pay me the 20 dollars. and this was like two and a half three Ooh. months of me grinding mario one to the point of memorization because um, i mean that's all you have to do right but like nothing nothing and it's still my crowning achievement and it's like <laughs> oh, it's not like i have proof this is before like recording undocumented yeah, yeah. yeah but like i know that game so this is why i'm saying although i was a little older i think it's goombas and koopas for the like the spirit of the article was pokemon because vanal recognition is the same part of the brain but yep. blah and i think it's koopas goombas Maybe a Bowser, but let's be honest, there weren't that many Bowsers. I'll, I'll go with, uh, if we're doing the animal recognition, I'll go with Chewy. Or Salacious Crumb, one of those two. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Salacious Crumb's clearly the best thing in the Star Wars yeah. universe. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> doing all right, Salacious Crumb. That's good, no, no, uh, that's good. Um, cool. Um, well, I... Ben, did, you didn't have a topic for today, I don't think. Or if you did, it's probably... I did, but we're running on a little bit of time. I think it's a, it's quite a large thing to, to get into and discuss, so I think maybe we'll leave it to next week. Oh, yeah, because it's, um, it's opening the can of worms called politics. <laughs> yeah, very much, yeah. yeah. Teaser Everyone for next week. For <laughs> I told you I had a real topic unions. for the first time. Yes, hooray! And naturally, it, it revolves around memories of me gaming rather than me actually gaming. <laughs> That's very, yes. You've done well there. You've done very well to uh, to avoid actually gaming. It's good. I like it. Uh, but yes, pre- be prepared next week for politics, unions, <laughs> walkouts, and 
people being assholes. That's pretty much what we talk about every week. Right. Really. So, Adol, the out of the two beers that you had, which did you prefer? Oh, it's tough. I think I'm gonna go with the Burnt Mills Rosetta Cone. Mm. Um, and this, and, and I think it's mostly a today thing. Like I like the fact that that the that moves between the tastes were quite smooth. So there were yeah. like clearly defined moments of taste. I like that the pininess and the melaniness sort of like happened at the same time, but really it was just a nice, calm, steady taste curve. While the um, riding east was a bit more jagged, like it was like it was kind of more in your face. Um, but I think mostly, so it's it's a combination of when the distinct tastes were just melded better in the Sprint Mills Rosetta Cone. But also there yeah. were more, like the set of tastes was larger. Mm-hmm. So like the Riding East was mostly riding, riding, riding on, um, riding on their um, sort of passion fruity, mangoey, and this this hint of I think piney bitterness. Um, and, and while like the Rosetta Cone had melon had a little bit of touch of maltiness um, and some pineyness and just was sort of doing more with time on my tongue for lack of a better way of describing it and so I found that more appealing today but they're both excellent beers okay. nice good good um, for me it's very very easy I did crack another beer um, to have something to um, just to sip whilst we were chatting I avoided um, that I did uh, and now uh, I, I cracked it. the Brick Brewery Brick Brewery Garden Brewery collaboration Buraz which was an East Coast IPA um, which showcased uh, Sabro hop. Uh, very, very tropical. A um, lot of passion fruit going on in there. Um, and there's a sweetness to it. It says in there it's got coconut, and I think that's what's throwing me a little bit and what is putting me off of this beer slightly. Don't like coconut in beers. Anyway, out of the two that I picked to drink this <laughs> evening... I like how you just did tasting notes on a beer, and now you're... So now, now the audience is just bewildered. Is this one better, but it doesn't feel like he can say it's better? Just of the no, three... No, it's not. No, it's not. There it's not. we of go. Of the three, the Fierce and the Gypsy Hill collaboration, the um, first beer, right? single hop number three, yeah, Simcoe, American Pale Ale, is the, 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 the best of the beers. That's the one uh, that, that like, tastes of rust. <laughs> Yeah, it was very, very easy drinking. Again, nice, nice and wet. So I didn't have to reach for it. I could have supped it a really easy pace. Um, but it was so nice and tasty that I, I wanted it. I wanted to have some more. I didn't need it, but I just wanted it to, to you know, to... Um, to taste just that little bit more, keep that keep that fruit there, keep that bitterness there. Uh, just a really well made, really nice beer. Um, so yeah, fierce and Gypsy Hill, uh, Simcoe. <laughs> there you the, go. The, the listeners can't see you put up your thumb. <laughs> we won't. Yes, we won't mention the other beer. Um, I shall contact Verdant, I think, and I mean speak to them. Yeah, I think that's it. fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should let them know. I think there's probably been a little bit of chat yeah, yeah, online, but so think... they probably know already. But it's good to, for them to get batch numbers and things like that. So I shall probably um, send over some details to them, uh, just to make them a little bit more aware. So, 
That's our beers. We've had lots of nice discussions this evening. Adam. Yes. <laughs> how do people get hold of you if they want to talk to you about games, point you in the direction of other podcasts to listen to, or to you know get the URL of the out of uh, out of podcasts feed? There isn't a feed. No, so it's just like, please don't make things up. Um, <laughs> no, well, if they go to wave.net, they can they'll be able to find my random scribblings. I, mean, I, I am I going to assume, and if not, I'm going to make you, Adam. Add the um, the tag out of pods on all your out of pods. I well have done already. Yeah, been, I assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been doing that. Yeah, I, I, that's so what I'm saying. I'd be, be really good at adding tags to the point where it gets ridiculous. You go, you add so many tags, and then you look at the other articles and think, hmm. No, <laughs> I might have overdone it. No, there's no overdone overdoing it. Overdoing it. I've had a few. <laughs> I've had two. Um, um, because that's how SEO works. Like, you, the yeah. more tags is, is good. It's fine. Don't worry about yeah. it. If you, if you have the time to over tag, then that's great. All the power to you. Um, <laughs> if people didn't want to just read your articles, though, and they wanted to actually like have some back and forth with you, what's the best way of doing that? Well, on Twitter, I'm at Adam Thomas1994. And that's the same on PSN and Steam and Discord and wherever. <laughs> the, the usual places, really. Nice. Adol, if people want to talk to you, how do they do so? Um, well, if they see me, they could open their mouths. That's true. <laughs> yep. If they don't see me, they could find me on um, social media of choice at the Omniarch, T-H-E-O-M-N-I-A-R-C-H. It's my username on also all the gaming platforms except Switch because you can't have real names and <laughs> also all of the things except Twitch because someone took that name so I'm the underscore Omniarch but I don't stream so it doesn't matter. Um, Good. Yeah, how about you, Ben? Uh, I am at Nova underscore 47 almost everywhere, at least on the platforms that I have and on Twitter. Uh, you can get us at TankTap underscore cast on Twitter, tanked up cast on the old Instagram to see posts and photos of the beers that we have been drinking. Oh, uh, fuck, I forgot to take a picture of my second beer. <laughs> I was going to take, uh, take a photo of the can crushed on the floor in uh, triumph. So I, can, ah! I can give you a picture of the empty glass where my Ribena used to be. <laughs> oh, please do. No, no, no. <laughs> but can you, do you have a Ribena bottle next to it so we can have... yeah it was rude of me not to ask you how your Ribena was it was excellent as usual <laughs> good as it should lovely be lovely and fresh nicely chilled from the fridge excellent perfect perfect <laughs> way to drink it good good <laughs> so to see more pictures of Adam's Ribena go to outlives.net <laughs> yeah because you, obviously you, that's you, the place to you'll get a full them. review <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, fuck it, let's finish that. You've had other things. Bye. Yeah. Oh, wow, really? 100 episodes. <laughs> uh, something, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Usual stuff. Oh, uh, given that I've already artificially extended it, um, if you haven't already, we've got a, I've noticed we've had a bit of an upsurge on listeners. Um, if you give us a five-star review on your podcast system of choice, that would really help us reach more people, which would be great. That's it. Bye. Bye. <laughs> www.outoflives.net